Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, a tale of virtual reality, science, and everyone's favorite egg-shaped academic. This is the first chapter of Professor Egghead's Metaverse Adventure, read to you by me, Mike Jesus Langer, and presented with musical backing by Carl Casey, The Dark Side of Music, and Petar Mardian. If you want to catch all the chapters of the novella, make sure to drop by this corner of the internet again in a few days. New episodes of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams come out every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Also, if you want to help the show get cozy with the many-armed spider god of the algorithm, please consider rating us 5 stars on Spotify or leaving an iTunes review. The internet is a cruel place for small content creators and every little bit of engagement helps. With all that said, put on your VR headset and make sure it's comfortable. It won't be coming off for a while. I'm not laying on the floor of a Soviet-era housing project. My leg isn't broken. There is no snowstorm outside my fingers aren't being eaten away by frostbite. I'm safe and sound on the soft living room carpet of my well-heated apartment. Everything I'm experiencing is a tailored virtual experience that can't do me any harm. It just doesn't feel that way. I don't know if anyone will ever read this. I don't know if I can even reach the outside world. But the hope that someone can hear me, that someone can help, it's the only thing that's keeping me sane. I test virtual reality experiences for a living, and I have been trapped inside of Professor Egghead's metaverse adventure for what feels like at least a day. I don't know what corner of the internet this notepad file will land in, but if you're reading this and know how to get me out, or know someone who can get me out, help. I know everything in front of me is just an illusion of the VR headset and gloves, but with each moment I spend in this frozen hellscape, that truth turns more abstract. I've been working in virtual reality testing since 2017. My first job was at a startup operating from a makeshift office in the back of a coffee shop. There were five other people working with me and we'd meet in the office to grab our assignments and talk work over drinks. The team was good company and a good chunk of our workload involved neat educational prototypes and indie gaming projects, so the work was a blast. The company grew and we moved to a shared office space and after a particularly successful run with a big gaming franchise, we got bought out by a company that I've never heard of. Then we got sold off to another company that was a subsidiary of some other place that got eaten up by a merger and so on and so forth. A handful of folks that I knew got shuffled around to different departments, my old boss retired to raise his kids, and my 2020 started off with utter confusion over who my new employer is. As far as I understand, we're currently a subcontractor for one of those big companies that are giving the concept of global democracy seizures. Virtual meeting rooms started taking up a good chunk of our workload around 2019, but by the time work from home became a legal requirement, they became the only thing we'd test. My life went from fun experiments with the form of virtual reality to a monotonous, ever-repeating cycle of boardrooms with architecture too conservative to be interesting. Occasionally the view from the window would be of planet Earth, and one would spend the afternoon wondering why any company would strive for super-villain aesthetics, but for the most part the work was mind-numbing and simple. I'd click a file, test the room for anything weird, and then click over to the next file, and the next file, and the next file. 
The work didn't lose any of its dullness, but a couple of months into the pandemic, it lost its simplicity. At first, the concept of a virtual office was a completely optional concept. We got an email announcing the opportunity to work from the office again. We all tried it out for a day and then we went back to the much simpler and less awkward model of keeping all of our interactions in a company group chat. Then the company chat got shut down. Then we got an invitation to attend a virtual birthday party at the office, which coincidentally was held for the birthday of one of the marketing people that came up with the virtual office concept to begin with. There were tech reporters doing a feel-good story about virtual spaces during the pandemic at that party. They took a lot of screenshots and did a lot of interviews. By the next morning, virtual offices were considered to be the hallmark of Web 3.0. By the end of the week, they were mandatory for the whole company. We're innovators and we have to lead by example, was how that email ended. A couple of people added massive mustaches to their avatars as a sign of protest, but nothing came of it. We were all forced to return to the office. No more clicking files. Now we would pantomime office work instead. The whole office was of earth tones and simple furniture. Originally, the higher-ups provided a committee that would decide how the virtual office would be decorated, but those that were passionate about decorating could never agree, so the standard was kept. As a compromise, we were able to decorate our individual offices however we liked. All that I chose to do was to change the shade of the wallpaper to white and set the sun outside to sit in perpetual golden hour. My time in the virtual office was purely mechanical. Sorting files into cabinets and physically picking up projects to test soon attained the same level of mindless action that clicking files did. It almost felt nice to go numb in a room where the sun was about to set. It made the hours go by quicker. It's in this ever-repeating maze of boardrooms and manila folders that I found my virtual shackles. One day, right as I logged on to work, I found it sitting on the table. Unlike the baby blue of regular boardroom simulations, this folder was in a spotted dark red with a custom pukish yellow font. Professor Egghead's Metaverse Adventure. Educational. Ages 7 and up. Science. The font looked like it had been scrawled with a crayon by a hand possessing very little fine motor control. The thought that there might be something wrong with the file, that its strange appearance might serve as a warning, it didn't even cross my mind. I just booted it up, excited to see something new. Immediately, I was greeted by a chorus of chimes, pop-up virus alerts and error messages. Something with that file didn't sit well with the system. The world was one giant red flag, and then, with a bassy thud, it went dark. What rose from the abyss took my breath away. A world of cement drenched in a perfectly rendered blizzard. Nothing but my surroundings looked artificial. I wasn't just looking at a replica of a Soviet housing project, I was experiencing one. A gust of wind made me squint my eyes. Goosebumps traveled up my body and settled themselves at the base of my spine. In most simulations, the avatar would shed its legs and float freely in the air. Rendering feet and having them feel natural was a task far too cost-intensive to undertake. In this simulation, however, my avatar was wearing snug dark jeans and white sneakers I picked out for him time immemorial. Shocked by my newly found feet, I took a step. The crunch of the snow beneath my feet was perfect. 
After what felt like a lifetime of bland offices, I had once again stumbled back to that place that made VR so exciting. The error messages dropped out of my head quickly, but the original rating of the project started to feel very off. Educational, ages 7 and up, science. What I was walking through could have easily been some sort of virtual exhibition to commemorate the horrors of totalitarian states, but it certainly wasn't for ages 7 and up. Walking through the towering cement blocks wasn't a pleasant experience. In the shadow of those overwhelming walls of windows and cements, I felt small and powerless. I couldn't imagine a prepubescent having fun in such a dreary simulation. The age rating might have been off, but the scope of the world was jaw-dropping. No matter how far I walked, there still seemed to be more on the horizon. Every aspect of the experience was tweaked to perfection. The ever-present whistle of the wind, the rusted metal of the abandoned playgrounds, the texture of the scarred cigarette buds covered in freshly fallen snow beneath my feet. It was all leagues beyond anything I had ever experienced. I was already enamored with the world I was walking through, but the moment I noticed the face in the window, my heart skipped a beat. Staring at me from behind the glass of one of the cement houses was something one rarely sees in the world of virtual reality. An ugly face. She was either deathly old or really sick. Most of her face was covered in a heavy woolen scarf, but an angry toothless scowl and hateful eyes peeked out of the shawl like fragile porcelain. She was looking straight at me and she was screaming. I couldn't hear what she was yelling at me, but in between her shouts she kept on pointing off in the distance. No amount of friendly waves from my side would calm the strange hag down. Whoever this woman was, she hated me. I briefly considered breaking down the glass door to her apartment block and seeing how extensive the AI of the project was, but looking up at the skeletal finger peeking out of dirty cloth, I decided to follow the lead of the designers. Clearly, this was a way of pointing me towards something particularly interesting in the simulation. I decided to follow the lead. It did not disappoint. I saw it the moment I entered the next circle of panel houses. In the midst of the Colosseum of windows, there was a scab of smooth cement that coated what was once presumably living space. Whatever had happened to the apartment block was covered up with a mural of a young soldier with his chest puffed up looking longingly into the unknown. I walked towards the mural to inspect it closer, but once I passed by what looked to be a brutalist take on the concept of an elementary school, I saw the structure directly in front of the mural. A burnt-out husk. From the little Cyrillic I know, I could make out the name. Hotel Rusalka. Its doors were wide open and begging to be entered. I was so excited to explore the hotel that I found myself in a light jog. The moment I got past the burnt threshold, however, I stopped. I could smell the ashes. Even though there was no conceivable way that I should be able to smell anything in virtual reality, I could smell the ashes of a long burnt out fire. Removing the headset felt like ripping off my head, yet the moment I was back in my bedroom the world seemed considerably more normal. I sniffed at the air. Nothing was burning. I checked my pulse to make sure I wasn't having a heart attack. I wasn't. Physical movement in the early VR experiments made a good chunk of the population nauseous. Their eyes were certain that the body was moving, but the inner ear was pretty sure it wasn't. The human body does not know how to make peace with this cognitive dissonance. Mix a couple brain wires up and the next thing you know you have people vomiting in their wastebaskets. 
That was the only explanation I could think of for why I was able to smell the ashes of Hotel Vusalka. Mixed up brain circuitry. Something subliminal that gave off the illusion of smell. Fascinated? I put my headset back on. The stench of the burnt hotel was gone. No matter how much I sniffed at the air, the only thing I could smell was the plastic of my headset. I shrugged the whole ash affair off. There were plenty of other interesting things in the lobby of the Rusalka. The whole space was filled with trash. Individually rendered, unique pieces of trash. The plastic packaging crinkled beneath my feet. The empty liquor bottles shattered into a thousand pieces when I threw them at the walls. I could tear apart individual strands of the old newspapers lying around. Everything I could see was an interactive object. I spent a solid five minutes sitting on the floor and playing in the trash like an infant from a documentary about poverty. Once my fascination passed, I carried on through the hotel. I would never set foot on the stairs I had to take to get to the Rusalka second floor in real life, but the virtual world made them an exciting adventure. The halls of the hotel, much like the lobby, were rife with world building. There was graffiti on the walls, doors to some of the rooms were kicked out, rubble was cleared out in the corners as if they had once served as a camping spot. The Bannon Hotel breathed with past life. From the corner of my eye, I saw movement. Something dashed into one of the rooms. I immediately followed. The window of the bedroom was boarded shut, but I could see a hint of the soldier mural beyond the wood. Pressed up against the wall was a scorched bed frame covered in wet straw and plastic bags. In front of the makeshift bed, also primarily made up of plastic, was a trash pile. Something inside of it stirred. Without much thought, I reached inside and grabbed the creature. A rat. I was holding a perfectly rendered, squirming rat. Its paws scratched incessantly, and the rat's frothing maw kept on trying to bite into my cartoon hand. Uncomfortable and somewhat curious about the physics of the world, I threw the rat at the boarded-up window. The wood didn't crack. Instead, the rat hit the wall with a thud and fell limp on the floor. It left behind a dent glazed in blood. Watching the digital creature twitch on the floor didn't feel good. The simulation had crossed the line. It was able to cross a line. The unmoving rat corpse filled me with both disgust and fascination. I was about to leave the bedroom when I heard another rustle. Something was moving beneath the makeshift bed. Once again, letting my curiosity lead me, I reached beneath the bed. My hands blindly tapped against the dust and dirt, but eventually my fingers brushed up against something smooth and warm. Switching from controllers to gloves provided a lot more options in terms of tactile feedback. I've definitely ran across rough and soft and fluffy objects before, even a sense of weight can be replicated with the right vibrations, but I had never encountered something warm. I was far too preoccupied with the temperature of the object to consider whether it was a good idea to grab it. When I finally saw what was in my hands, I panicked. In a split second of shock, all I had managed was a scream. Then, in blind instinct, I threw the creature out of the window. The oval goblin, unlike the rat, broke through the plywood boards like a cannonball. I walked to the window to get a better look at it, but by the time I could see the world outside, the creature had scattered off into the snow. All it left behind were small, wobbling footsteps. A bead of sweat traveled from my forehead to the bridge of my nose and then slipped into my eye. 
noble creature of dark burnt meats and red-hot glowing eyes. When I held it in my hands, it babbled to itself, completely ignoring me. It was like a little egg-shaped infant, but this baby had pin-like teeth. Another sound, a louder sound, came from the hallway. Someone was shifting around furniture. Hello? I yelled. Is someone there? Footsteps. Stomping footsteps came from the hallway. I come in peace, I yelled, feeling a quiver in my voice. What is the meaning of this? A shrill voice rose from behind the wall. This is a place of science, not a fancy hall of pleasure where everyone can come and go as they please. What are you doing here? Explain yourself at once. A walking nightmare wobbled into the room. He had the face of a man, but it was stretched out over an egg-shaped body. Over his absurd form, he wore an unbuttoned lab coat and nothing else. His eyes were huge and bloodshot and desperately tired, but his enormous mouth moved with absolute rage. I am Professor Egghead, the Archduke of Science! The creature screamed his strange shaftless genitals swaying with each word. I am Professor Egghead, and I demand answers. I opened my mouth, but no words came out. The naked insanity of what was in front of me was just too much. For a moment, I considered leaping out of the window of the hotel to escape, but then I remembered where I was. I was in my living room, wearing a headset and gloves. I was safe. I was safe and curious. Sorry, I said, unable to meet Professor Egghead's mad gaze. I was just exploring. Exploring? The professor screamed, thrusting his half-naked body towards me. Exploring? Are you a ship in the Chinese Imperial Fleet to finding new lands? No. You are a thousand years late. Everything has been explored already. You are no explorer! You are a liar! A liar and a spy! Dagman had riled himself up into such a rage that he was stomping. As short as his legs were, they were powerful. With each stomp of his stubby, uncut feet, the room shook. I'm sorry, Professor Egghead. I'm not a spy. I was just curious. The stomping stopped. Dagman's giant mouth tightened. You pronounced my name correctly, he said, smiling. Everyone either butchers it of its simplicity or worse, calls me a mister. I did not spend 17 years being the academic equivalent of a towel boy to be called a mister. Finally, I am given the respect I deserve. Nice to meet you. Professor Egghead? As if he just realized, the professor started to fiddle with the buttons on his lab coat. I apologize for my lack of clothes. I was in the middle of important academic research and I work better in the nude. This is not very academic of me. His stubby little fingers couldn't work their way around the lab coat. Wait here. I must put on something more appropriate for guests. 
Degman stretched himself through the doorway, but the moment he was back in the hall, he turned around. His face had attained absolute blankness. Do not leave, he said, looking past me. If you leave, I will be angry. Very angry. With that, like an egg-shaped ballerina, he turned around on his heel and stomped off into the hallway. Not wanting the creature to get angry again, I stayed put. The thought that I was standing in an avant-garde mislabeled horror game made the wait somewhat bearable, but eventually my attention span started to get the better of me. I peeked out of the hallway, trying to get a better look at the rest of the burnt hotel. In the blackened corridor, another pile of trash moved. Out from beneath a filthy rag, two red-hot coals stared at me. That gentle smell of ash was back. Beneath was a lingering hint of phosphorus. I hope you're not thinking of running away, Daghead said, wobbling up from behind. No one escapes the company of Professor Egghead, <laughs> he screamed, and then laughed as if he said a joke. His lab coat seemed filthier than before, but his strange body was now covered with suspenders, a bow tie, and a puke-colored shirt. On his child-sized feet, he wore filthy leather shoes that seemed to have walked through a war. With his face still void of any emotion aside from exhaustion, Professor Egg had extended his hand. My name is Matt, I said, bending down to shake. I will not remember your name, Professor Egg had said grabbing my hand between his grubby fingers. My gigantic brain is already overflowing with important equations! The moment he touched me, I felt a joy of electricity run through me, a rush of shivering numbness that shot from my arm to the rest of my body like burning Christmas lights. The professor's eyes were suddenly full of lively mania. I will now show you something! I will now show you something that I have been trapped with for longer than any tenure should allow. I will now show you something and you do not get to say no. The world beyond Egghead's spherical face hushed out into complete static. All I could see was the nightmare and his angry stare. No one can escape the company of Professor Egghead. I had enough. I wanted out. Yet no matter how hard I pulled, I couldn't get the headset off my face. My fingers were completely numb and my wrists refused to hold. The sharp static frothing in my bones made it impossible to focus. The headset wouldn't come off. I wanted to believe that I was just laying on the floor of my living room, having an overreaction to some brain circuits crossing, but my physical body felt impossibly distant. All my life people have laughed at me! They said my research is not important. They mistook me for just another shrieking academic. But they have never witnessed what I have witnessed. They have never gazed deep into the realm of the unexplored and found themselves in danger. They could never understand. Beneath the heavy blanket of static, I could feel a suggestion of movement. I was being dragged through the filthy floor. The professor was taking me across the hall. The world started to sharpen. I could see the silhouettes of Professor Egghead kick down a door with a discomforting show of force. They didn't understand, but you will. You will see. You will witness the reason why I spend each and every waking moment of my life in the laboratory. 
my vision emerged from the murk of dizziness. Immediately, I regretted being able to see again. Professor Egghead forced a grisly sight upon me. In the corner of the room, infused into the burnt walls of the Hotel Rusalka, shivered something demented. Up until then, everything I saw in the simulation was pixel perfect, but the creature I was witnessing refused to properly render. My eyes saw a mess of polygons lacking any texture or lighting, but something deep in the circuitry of my brain saw something else. Unearthly fear surged through my body. I was looking at something patently wrong. I would go mad if I didn't look away. Gathering all my strength in my right fist, I swung at the Egghead's eye. With a yelp, the nightmare stumbled back. In an adrenaline-fueled haze, I clambered up to my feet and assessed my surroundings. The Egghead didn't drag me far. On the far side of the hallway, I could see a freshly unboarded window and beyond it a familiar mural of a soldier. I ran for it. You assault me in a house of science? You dare use force against me? You will come back to me right this instant, apologize and gaze into the flesh! I demand to be understood! I demand for my suffering to be comprehended! Dozens of red-hot eyes watched me as I ran through the hallway. From beneath the piles of trash, stubby hands with delicate fingers reached out for my shins. It wasn't just the egghead that was after me. He wasn't alone. When I reached the window, I jumped out without a second thought. It was a two-story drop, and I didn't feel a thing, but the moment I tried to run further, I regretted my decision. My own legs were standing firm on my living room floor, but the legs of my cartoon avatar did not look good. From beneath the clean blue jeans, a patch of red around my ankles started to bloat. I had the trot of a wounded animal, but I was still moving away from the nightmare I had witnessed. No one escapes the company of Professor Egghead! The nightmare screamed from the window of the burnt-out hotel. No one! He continued to scream, but a rush of wind drowned him out. I just kept on pushing forward through the storm. My injured shuffles left behind a trail of blood, but the snow came down thick enough to cover it. I shambled for as far as I could, and when my feet would move no more, I knocked out the glass door of this apartment complex. And now, I'm here. My VR interface has been hobbled. My developer tools are disabled. The simulation can't be restarted or shut down, and... Worst of all, whenever I reach for my headset, my wrists go limp and I lose all feeling in my fingers. I am trapped inside of Professor Egghead's metaverse adventure. All that remains is this notepad file. All that remains is this notepad file that can't possibly get me out of this nightmare. The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J. Horton, Kus, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, Daniel Wengel, Mr. Creepypasta, Charlie Cooper, Dante Kincaid, and Matt. If you'd like to join these fine people and support in the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Mike J. Langer. That's all for tonight. See you all on the next episode of Cabinets of Fever Dreams.